Dr. Ron here. Thank you, Freddie, for that introductory song. Dr. Ron is, I am your host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, a weekly podcast bringing you medical news that you can use. I thank you and I have an attitude of gratitude as I welcome you today to another live podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, life may not be the party we hope for, but while we're here, we might as well enjoy the dance. And when you become aware and appreciative of the good things that either you or other people do, it's usually easier to accept the unfavorable things, too. Expressing gratitude for your own strengths, accomplishments, relationships, mentors, and good intentions makes it easier to cope with these hard times and our weaknesses. And we should be appreciating others also. Ladies and gentlemen, this program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. Wow. Aren't we living through some, some tough times, huh? Nobody knows what this this is all about. First off, let's thank Dr. Wong and Dr. Jerry Smith uh, for last week's program. It definitely was a gangbuster program. Uh, had a lot of good reviews on the on the uh, podcast, which was over an hour and fifty minutes. Uh, it was just just incredible the amount of information. And I've been bringing you information since February eighteenth on the Corona COVID China virus. And this will probably be the last time we talk about it because most people either have their minds made up 
who, who they're going to believe, uh, Czar Fauci or science. And uh, we're not going to talk a lot about it unless something major happens. I do want to thank our first responders. Please fire firemen, firewomen, truck drivers, all the frontline personnel who are doing a tremendous amount of work to keep everyone safe and to keep themselves and their families safe. So I want to give a shout out to them. I have been saying for a long time that the real epidemic is modern medicine. And I refer you to Dr. Carolyn Dean. She wrote a book called Death by Modern Medicine. And for all the scientific breakthroughs we have been gifted with over the past century, modern medicine still leaves us an awful lot to be desired. And there's corruption permeating the system. It delivers, in my opinion, and Dr. Dean's opinion, abysmal results. For well over a century, the treatment of symptoms with drugs has dominated the definition of health care. It's manipulated by the insurance industry, direct-to-consumer drug advertising, Influencing physicians and other health care providers through gifts, honorarium, honorarium, et cetera, and intense lobbying by the pharmaceutical companies. The leading pharmaceutical trade group is Pharma, P-H-R-M-A, and the individual drug makers. The end result is a sickness industry, ladies and gentlemen. It kills an enormous amount of people each year. In the year 2000, the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, Dr. Barbara Starfield. She published a paper, this is in the year 2000 now, showing that 225,000 Americans die each year from iatrogenic causes. What does that mean? That means their death was caused by a physician's activity, manner, or therapy. Think about that. In the year 2000, the doctors in that year were the third leading cause of death. And matters have not improved much since then. Research published in 2013 estimated that preventable hospital errors killed 210,000 Americans each year. And a 2016 study published in the British Medical Journal estimated that medical errors killed 250,000 Americans each year, like an annual increase of 25,000 from Dr. Starfield's original estimates. These numbers may be underestimated if we include deaths occurring at homes and nursing homes, which were not included in these studies. Indeed, when they included deaths related to diagnostic errors, errors of omission, and failure to follow guidelines, the number of preventable hospital deaths skyrocketed to 440,000 per year. Now you have an idea of the enormity of this problem. 
Over-testing, over-treatment are part of the problem. There is also corruption. Instead of dissuading patients from unnecessary or questionable interventions, the system rewards waste and incentivizes disease over health. There was an article published in 2017 by PLOS1, it's an online journal, stated that 20.6% of all medical care is unnecessary, including 22% of prescription medications, 24.9% of medical tests, and 11.1% of, me- of procedures. And why do doctors do this? Number one cited reason is fear of malpractice. Number two, patient pressure or requests. And number three, difficulty assessing medical records. We'll get more into this, but this is uh, just gives you an enormous idea of the enormity of the of the problem in medical care. And we'll try and give you some hints today about what you should do to protect yourself. Our goal on this program has always been to make you the CEO of your own body. And when you hear uh, what's in store for you in the medical profession, it's even going to be more imperative that you do that. Now, generally, I have a lot of things to talk to you about, and I do today, but I don't have them as organized as I usually do. But I do want to take this time to make sure you understand about the vaccines that they are developing for this virus. Immunoprophylaxis by gene transfer. There's lots of them underway, and some were probably started before this outbreak. If you read uh, the shenanigans with Dr. Fauci, Bill Gates, the WHO, and the CDC. But here's the punchline, ladies and gentlemen. These vaccines incorporate a virus that invade the human cells with their DNA payloads. The synthetic gene is incorporated into the recipient's own DNA. If all goes well, the new genes instruct the cells to begin manufacturing powerful antibodies. I'm going to read that again. The synthetic gene is incorporated into the recipient's own DNA. Interpretation, it's an alteration of the human genetic makeup. They're not coming there just for a visit. They're going to take up a permanent residence. Hopefully, as I said last week, the National Guard, our armed forces, will be able to uphold their their oath of uh, protecting this country from invaders, both foreign and domestic. And hopefully they won't be holding us down and giving us vaccines that we do not want and do not need. I'm going to give you a name, Dr. Doshi, D-O-S-H-I, a genius of a man. That's reputation was destroyed during the AIDS epidemic by Dr. Fauci. He wrote an article on the British Medical Journal. He said, every year, hundreds of thousands of respiratory samples are taken from flu patients in the United States, and they're tested. 
But here's the kicker. Only a small percentage of these samples show the presence of a flu virus. What does that mean? Most of the people in America who are diagnosed by their doctors with the flu have no virus in their bodies. Holy gosh, they don't have the flu. So even if you assume the flu vaccine is useful and safe, it couldn't possibly prevent all those quote-unquote flu cases because they're not flu cases. So Dr. Doshi says, even if everything were perfect, only about 16% of the the American population really has what's called the flu. Okay, one more thing on the vaccine before I uh, go further. There was a study done in the military And it showed that military personnel were evaluated who received the flu vaccine were at a 36% increased risk for the coronavirus with only a small benefit against catching the influenza. Quote, examining non-influenza viruses, specifically the odds of both coronavirus and human metanumovirus in vaccinated individuals, were significantly higher when compared to unvaccinated individuals. This article is titled Influenza Vaccination and Respiratory Virus Interference Among Department of Defense Personnel During the 2017-2018 Influenza Season. Talks about flu interference. really important that we get educated about this. And they're still saying, go ahead and get a flu shot. I'll let you draw your own conclusions of why they're saying that. Get informed consent before you get a flu shot. Okay, so this study was in a military population, and it was published in the scientific journal Vaccine, V-A-C-C-I-N-E, in January of 2020, and was conducted by Armed Forces Health Surveillance Branch of the Air Force, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Okay. So, just so you have an idea what's out there. So, please do your own research. If you're in the military, ask your VA medical doctor. If you're not in the military, ask your medical doctor about this study, whether they agree with it or not. Is it solid medical advice? And people in this study did provide samples to be tested. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, in 1965, those of us who were around then remember a guy named Paul Harvey. 
want to briefly play something that he wrote. Remember the other side of the story? Here's Paul Harvey. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington... And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography, Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious and what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. Well, do you believe that, ladies and gentlemen? Just like the old days on radio. No script, just Paul Harvey. All right. Just two things. I wanted, there, there's a caller that has some ideas about the, the topic I want to talk about today, eventually get into what is the future of medicine. Uh, I just have to mention one thing really quickly, though. I, I, I just have to. Uh, you know, about people driving uh, they're in their own car by themselves with a face mask on, 
And it's been analogous to someone saying to me, that's why they have instructions on shampoo bottles. Two days ago, headline in New Jersey, driver in a crash may have passed out from wearing an N95 mask too long. The crash is, be, is believed to have resulted from the driver, driver wearing an N95 mask for several hours and subsequently passing out behind the wheel due to insufficient oxygen intake or excessive carbon dioxide intake. Ladies and gentlemen, we said this multiple times, that your blood oxygen level goes down when you wear these masks. There's no doubt, you know, this is if you're in a crowded area, you're going shopping in public, but if you're by yourself in your own apartment, there's no need for a mask. I'll get more into that later, but I want to. I have. We have a caller that I want to bring on because he said he's short on time, and I would I just let me introduce this by saying about three months ago I was fortunate to have Dr. Powers on on my podcast talking about uh, physician assistants who they were going to be licensed in the state of Pennsylvania uh, without medical supervision and they could have uh, their own practice, write prescriptions and what have you. She provided me with a chart that showed that the total number of patient hours required through training for a family physician is between 10 and 12,000 hours. The number of hours for a nurse practitioner, 500 to 720 hours. So caller uh, number one, you had some ideas about uh, uh, the way medicine is going. Yes, Dr. Ron, I, I do. Uh, my background is I'm a scientist as well as a doctor, and I think uh, we kind of knew the way medicine hopefully would go in the future, minus the political forces that is trying to direct it otherwise. And I think a lot of it was, you know, technology. Uh, I know you're a real technomaniac, and you like modern things, and you see how things are going, and... Uh, I trained under some brilliant people, and they said, you know, when most people are replaced by a machine they, that does a better job, they should be. It frees up the mind. And I think, you know, under the present COVID impetus, uh, we're going to see a lot of changes, you know, that we're probably coming down the pike, but uh, not at the rate that we had expected until COVID came along. I think, you know, a lot of the technologies are going to be helped with the diagnosing and monitoring of people uh, with the interpretation of tests and so forth. And hopefully, if they use it properly, it should do a couple things. It should expand the doctor-patient relationship and not replace it. And it should allow for better health care and hopefully at a cheaper price, uh, you know, uh, but also it's going to pervade a lot of areas. I mean, um, you yourself, I know you put some fine children through college, and those on the radio network know what a tremendous expense that is. But now we're finding that our children can learn at home, can learn via computer, you know, without the classroom and without the sixty to $80,000 a year tuition. And, you know, if they apply themselves, they can learn just as well. Not only that, you know, it will become available to the populace. 
and you know who couldn't pay that amount of tuition but still have a brilliant mind and can learn so i think you know what we've seen with covid dr ron is you know we're faced with what the future would be and we're faced with you know the need to do it now and hopefully when this is all said and done we will have learned a lot and we will have done a lot and hopefully we will come out better on the other end oh that would be the hope uh sir but uh you know, the way things have gone since 1910, and I'm going to lead, lead our listeners through that, that history in a minute, uh, when uh, Rockefeller put $100 million into the system to destroy anything natural or alternative, uh, I don't think the future bodes well for the average person that can't afford uh, to pay for private care, that his care is going to be delivered by nurse practitioners I'm not saying they're bad now. Don't don't get me wrong. There is a need for them, but they need to be supervised. Uh, pharmacists, uh, you can see now that the pharmacists now can do the COVID testing. They're going to, in Florida anyway, they're going to be licensed to test and prescribe. So I, I think that our listeners, in my humble opinion, have to be educated and they have to do their own reading and their own research. Uh, and they can't rely on Google because Google uh, put, takes down a lot of things that are natural. You can't find anything about colloidal silver on Google. You can't find much about ozone on Google. You can't find, you can't find uh, anything that contradicts the CDC. And until we can have an open-minded, open-ended discussion, uh, when the discussion gets funneled down one particular path, I'm afraid for the future of, of medicine in general. I, I agree with you. And, you know, that's why your radio program and a lot of what you uh, purport is very important. There's nothing better than an informed consumer. You know, as I joke with Google, I don't know whether I'm talking to Harvard or Harry. You know, it's really hard to tell the difference because all you see is a screen, right? Yep, exactly. And as far as mid-level care, well, what we were taught as doctors, and, you know, you've been in the profession a long time, is that you are part of the team. You know, you had the most education, and at your age you had some of the most experience. What some of these lower-level care professions want to do is they want to be a part from the team. And, you know, if we as doctors have to be part of the team, why are they a part from the team? So I think, you know, with patient care, a bunch of good minds working on a patient's normal aspect is the way to go. Exactly. And, and I have talked about looking at medicine as a, uh, um, an engineering model, as, as all in one, as a systems model, that a lot of things are connected. I, I I laugh at you know you I went to a couple of, uh, get get a physical and the intake uh, nurse practitioner says well who's your pulmonary doctor who's your heart doctor uh, who's your kidney doctor who's your dermatologist I mean I don't have any girl you know I don't I don't I don't I don't don't do it that way and then I recently sat in on a teleconference for a heart patient. And the heart patient was concerned with their C-reactive protein uh, because they had some dental issues. 
And so the, the cardiologist said, well, that's not my field. And I have your primary care order it. And if, it, if you have a high C-reactive protein, maybe I can prescribe high doses of statins for you. Hello? Yeah, you know, exactly. Where, 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 where is this getting to the core, getting to the system that's out of whack, to the subsystems that's out of whack that's throwing everything else uh, crazy, right? I mean, that, that, that's where I'm coming from. And not, not a reductionist theory of, of just separating out one system from another because it's all related. Exactly. It's not only all related, it all interacts. As you know from ah. practicing medicine, most times we hope one plus one equals two. Sometimes we find out there are supplies one plus one equals three, and one plus one equals one. We never know how the patient's going to react. And it's the reaction, the interaction, and the coexistence of many factors which have to all be taken care of in order to take care of a patient. Right. There's a lot of processing that has to go on. And I, and I think that the public in general is getting shortchanged right now uh, with having things so fractionated. You know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, in unity there is strength, you know, and if you don't want to be strong, then you, you break it up into little pieces. And I have a good friend that's a pharmacist, and uh, he, he just goes crazy doing what he calls a brown bag evaluations. He has people take in their medicines. And senior citizens average t take of medicine is seven different ones and he he shows them how one interacts with the other or how it interacts with some vitamins they're taking so you know uh, no wonder there's so many deaths from medicine every year people are just uh, there's lots of lots of moving parts to this this problem so although i i don't want pharmacists treating i mean they have they are educated in, in pharmacology. They know chemistry. They know interactions. They have a very important place. But uh, Part of the team, right? There you go. Yeah, that's what, exactly. Part of the team. And uh, I can't know everything. Uh, but, you know, I'd be glad to call on Joe and say, Joe, I got this patient. And which, could you go over his medications for me? So... Um, uh, that, that that's my fear for the future. Uh, as people get educated, and then the the job they're doing on naturopaths now, all that you know, all that is scientifically validated is not necessarily good. But contrary, uh, but alternately, the all that is not published and not scientific is nece necessarily bad. So um, a lot of the natural things that are out there, there's no money to study them. There's no money to study them. doesn't mean they're bad. So uh, I have a real problem with people just sleight of hand saying, well, that can't be good. There's no studies. Well, if you go to ProPublica uh, and look up studies, you'll find that there's a, like a 36 retraction rate on, on, on studies. And if you go to Docs for Dollars, docsfordollars.com, you'll see how many physicians are on the – take from pharmaceutical companies to, to turn out the uh, articles. There's one guy on there, $600,000 he's made already turning out articles. Docs for dollars. So, uh, I mean, I, uh, you're a scientist, uh, caller, and uh, do, you, do you disagree with that? 
No, I think it's a lot of validity to that. I think the uh, the whole scientific method is probably in question at this stage. You know. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, like I like like I like some of my friends say. You're 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 the guy says I feel good, and they said no, you don't. You're sick. You just don't know it yet because you haven't been lumped into a disease. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just don't know it yet, guy. So the World Health Organization definition of health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. That diagnosis ignores that our perceptions of health and disease are context-dependent and change over time. So at what point in life is anyone completely healthy? I mean, these are, these are questions we have to talk about. Because the disease model refers to a combination of signs and symptoms, okay? And our medical students are taught, you know, you put these, these signs and symptoms together, you come up with a quote-unquote diagnosis, and then you go to the next book and it says for this, this diagnosis, you, you use uh, medicines one, two, and three, and you order tests four, five, and six, and that's the way it's coming down. That's what I see these the young physicians that I have in con- that I contact with uh, don't have uh, any idea of what a differential diagnosis is or how to how to think out a problem, how 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 things could be other than what they look like. You know, like low back pain, caller. You know, number one cause of disability worldwide. I, I looked this up. Eighty three million. Let's see, eighty three million years. I know it. I, yeah, <laughs> I saw a, a statistic that uh, it accounts for 83 million years live with a disability, uh, low back pain. But it, is that a symptom or, or a diagnosis? Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. It could it could be muscle pain. It could be a malignancy. It could be an infection. So it could be it's, sitting it's, on your wallet. <laughs> exactly. I mean, right. It's, it, it's, it's, that's what I always ask these guys. Is that, a, is that a diagnosis you're going to put down on the chart or are you going to look for something else? So um, uh, I think we're in a little bit of trouble from, from the way we were taught uh, 40, 50 years ago uh, and how to, how to look at a problem and how to analyze a problem. And know that, you know, you could be wrong and you may need help. You may need another member of the team. That's, I think that's what you're talking about, right? Right. Persons and more than one diagnosis. You know, they're exactly. more than one symptom. And you have to separate the two and you have to know how to approach the person. As we were taught, it's not what disease does this person have, but what person has this disease. We're symptoms. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times, you know, it could be psychological. And you're only going to, and, you know, I don't know how AI is going to pick that up. You know, how's the guy going to, how's he going to, how's it going to pick up a guy walking in with his head down, maybe a tear in his eye? I, I don't know the answer. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to quote what Albert Einstein said because I keep it in front of my desk. The difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has its limits. So, you know, you just, uh, there's a lot of things going out there that are just plain dumb. So you have to think about it. You, you really do have to think about it. And the AMA is, uh, you know, it, it is a political organization. Okay. They like, would like to do away with uh, herbs and homeopathy and 
nutrition and Native American medicine, and, and they've been that way ever since 1910. That's when Rockefeller, J.D. Rockefeller, and gave him a hundred million dollars. Wow. Also, the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching funded the AMA. They went and they made sure the medical schools were forced to comply with new standards when they got rid of everything else. Under the restrictions imposed by this new founded AMA, the, the number of medical schools dwindled from 400 in the 19th century to 148 by 1910 and just 76 medical schools in 1930. So they came in and they wanted to make sure they had a monopoly. That's the only way I could look at it. They, uh, they, kind of, they, 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 they weakened the competition or they removed them. So they attacked chiropractic. I mean, it, it, of course they did lose that in court, but it, this has been an ongoing battle. Uh, and then with the billing extortion, oh, my God, if you don't have the right billing codes and they own the billing codes. Caller, do you know anything about the billing codes in the AMA? I think he may have dropped off. Yeah, he did. Anyway, the AMA owns the billing codes. Isn't that crazy? They own the billing codes. So... uh they put together these codes so that physicians and healthcare providers can uh, submit forms and get paid to the, to the insurance company. But only if they are matched to the AMA-approved treatments, and they generally are prescription drugs. They don't generally allow for payments or preventative, complementary, or alternative medicine. Incredible. I mean, I could get that's a whole show just on the CPT codes and the the diagnostic codes, and the WHO is involved in that too, ladies and gentlemen. They own that. The AMA rents it from them, and then the billing companies rent it from them. So I told you, allopathic medicine is risky. I took, gave you the statistics in the beginning of the program. And how many lives are lost through legally prescribed drugs? Of course, the illicit drugs are out there too, and they they uh, directly or indirectly kill uh, seventeen to twenty thousand people annually. I'll give you a number that just blows your mind. The United States government spends about fifty billion dollars a year to fight a war against illicit drugs. Think about that. Fifty billion would it be? And I would I would propose that America's more deadly allopathic drug continues drug problems continue to be ignored. So we had a great caller there, so I I uh, didn't talk about everything I wanted to talk about. But you know, a pill for every ill is 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 probably uh, the best saying that uh, we're going to be stuck with. And we have to be careful about uh, 
the testings that, that we allow ourselves to be uh, to undergo, and that not everything has to be fixed. Uh, there is a tincture of time, and you can wait it out. Why aren't we taught that doing nothing is sometimes the best approach? And sometimes watchful waiting might be a good, good treatment alternative. Of course, medical device companies, they, they provide a tool for every procedure. Magic bullets, huh? So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty here, but, you know, just let you know... About the masks, okay, uh, they do decrease your uh, oxygen content. Some infectious disease experts have suggested that wearing a fa- face mask has maybe a value if it keeps you from touching your face and nose. So that might be a reason to wear it, but... There's a downside. Of course, uh, you don't want to go to a bank with one. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. Uh, You might want to do some homework on uh, Dr. Fauci and his uh, history with HIV and Dr. Gallo and how he rose to such a position of prominence and controlling billions of dollars worth of research money and owns uh, patents along with the CDC and the WHO and the the Gates Foundation on vaccines and drugs and just to see how powerful he is as a czar. Okay. Just want to leave you with a note that I found an article today that the authors of one study found evidence that the risk of COVID-19 is is higher in enclosed environments, such as your home or in transportation vehicles. German scientists cultured surfaces in one home where people were infected and did not find any live viruses. They're gonna follow that one up. Only one outbreak is known to have been passed outdoors in the whole world. And the benefits of being outside, ladies and gentlemen, just like they did with the Spanish flu, probably is related to the vitamin D production and exposure to fresh air. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate you listening in today. Uh, We're going to keep it a little bit short uh, because of some technical problems on my end. And starting next week, we're going to continue to talk about the immune system. And how to keep it strong. And we have millions of uh, bacteria in our system. We have more millions of viruses. So they're in there. And we we talk about exosomes. We have two quadrillion exosomes in our body. Who knows what they are? Two quadrillion. That's a lot of numbers, ladies and gentlemen. So with that being said, uh, just have a great evening. And uh, we'll see you next week. And with that, we'll have this little... Group from Philly, take us home. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored with your host, Dr. Ron. We are here each and every week. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. We bring you medical news that you can use, medical news that's up to date, 
on drug reactions and interpretation of medical articles. We also have some great guests scheduled. So thank you again. Have a great week. Listen to us on Apple, Alexa, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher. Ciao.